you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of May. A few thoughts on last night's games. A thought on Tobias Harris versus Kemba Walker. And let's dig into Royce O'Neal and his awesome development. It's all coming up. On today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it a little bit more fun and informed to be a fan of the Utah Jazz. This podcast is available to you on the new app, Himalaya. You can get it on your Apple or Android phone, plus Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. And when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. How are you? Another crummy weather day, uh, at least up here in Park City. It's super gross. Um, rainy, can't get out. Gray, cloud sitting. Not good. But we don't have these very often. Um, I wanted to jump on last night. I wanted to talk. Uh, Tony Jones over at The Athletic did a question and answer. Um, I thought I'd really unfairly pick apart his answers I disagreed with and talk about them. No, sort of. but um, And do that. And then um, not in quite exactly like that, but it does feel that way a little bit. And then talk about Royce O'Neal today. So that is the plan on the show. Um Two blowouts yesterday. One did not surprise me. Uh, I tweeted out before the Portland-Denver game, I thought Portland would get run last night. They'll win game six, and then we'll see what happens in game seven. Those teams are so evenly matched right now. I feel like just a little – it wasn't surprising me that Denver came back to win game four either. Um, They're so evenly matched. The only thing is Portland's a little undermanned with the injury to Nurkic, and I think it's beginning to wear them out. Um, And Denver's better than Portland. Like, that's the other part about this. Denver's better than Portland. Um, Portland's really limited. Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless, who both have, you know, some value to them, neither of them can dribble, neither of them can pass, and frankly, neither of them can shoot. Um, And this actually gets me to a really, watching them gets me to a really interesting question with the Jazz. Because I think the Jazz need athleticism. And that, those are two really good examples of athleticism. But if you are an athlete who can dribble, who can pass, who can shoot, you're an all-star. If you're a non-athlete who can dribble, who can pass, who can shoot, you're, just, you're, pretty, you're a good player. Like Think about Joe Ingles versus Al Farouk Aminu or Joe Ingles versus Mo Harkless. So Joe Ingles is undrafted, seemingly non-athletic, unique in how long he is for his position, his ability to play with the ball in his hands as a non-one or two. I'm huge into this. It's why I love Tobias. Um, And that is the ability to be a ball handler in a non-point guard or shooting guard position means that the guy defending you is not used to being in the pick and roll. So when Joe Ingles runs a pick and roll, the three, Mo Harkless maybe, or someone like that who's a good defensive player, but they're not used to being hit by picks. They're used to defending in a different fashion. Um, If we get all the way into Royce O'Neal today, we'll get into this. 
because I think it's important for Royce as well. And so that's a that's kind of an interesting situation where th- there's a great value to being able to be six Joe's what six eight six six seven six eight long ball handling non athletic good shooter, but you know. Then you have Al Farouk Amino and Mo Harkless, both top 15 picks, I think. Al Farouk was top 10. I think Harkless was top 15, maybe top 20. They're both elite-level athletes lacking skill. So neither can shoot. I think both of them are the worst shooters at their position. Neither of them can dribble unless it's a straight line off a give one or two dribble to the basket. And neither of them can pass. I'd be surprised if either had an assist last night. Um that's why Portland is the lowest assist team in the NBA. Mino ended up with two assists by the end of the night. One of eight shooting. Harkless had no assists. He only played 13 minutes. And, you know, it's it's like I feel like the Jazz need some of that athleticism um, to their roster. Just when Dante went out, it was really obvious that they, they weren't athletic. But, like, that's a great thing to say. But trying to find that player... Like, if you're trying to find that athlete, if, as I said, if they, if, if Mo Harkless or Alfred Camino, let's use them as the example, we watched them last night, if they could dribble, they'd be a nice, be able to play, they're so athletic, they'd be able, like, Aminu's incredibly, 6'9", long, generally a pretty high-level rebounder for his position, was, like, a great rebounder at Wake Forest, really good defense, both those guys are really good on-the-ball defensive athletes, have learned that role. Do it really, really well. Aminu got torched last night by Jokic, which I think was a mistake to try to have him guard uh, Jokic. It was an interesting idea. I thought early on it might work because it looked like it might tire him out a little bit. I also think last night was a bad night to try anything. I just think Portland wasn't going to get last night. Um, But anyway, if they could do those things, then they'd be... So when you say, well, we need to go get more athletic, if you're getting more athletic and you're not getting an elite-level all-star then you're getting more athletic, but it's probably somebody who can't shoot. It's probably somebody who can't dribble. And part of what we've done with Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, George Niang, is Quinn Snyder's like, find guys that can dribble and pass. And Royce is getting better at some of the dribble stuff, but he can generally pass and handle. He's not a great, you know, he's a little straight line. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle. Um, find those guys. We'll figure out how to, how to use them. And even if they're not elite athletes, our offensive system will get them an advantage. The system will give them the advantage. They don't have to be elite athletes. It's an interesting it's an interesting contrast. So my thesis that I'm trying to make there is that when you start talking about, you know, oh, we go need an athlete. Yeah, I, I agree. But then, like, find me an athlete who – Will Barton's probably a good example. He's developed a little bit over time, but – Will Barton's another one who's an elite level athlete who has all you know has deficiencies or else he wouldn't or else he'd be playing 38, 40 minutes a night and be a star. Um, so that's the thought on that one. The uh, to, like Tobias, who you know I have my love affair with, um, who was a great minus thirty four last night, is not an athlete. He's not an elite athlete at all. He's just skilled. Um, and so he is actually if you if we go sign Tobias, we did not get a great deal more athletic. He's He's not an. A, he's just a good basketball player. Um, he's not at all elite athletically. Um, defensively, is not particularly strong, and you know, uh, ha- but is really really good. If he were an elite athlete, um, he would be one of the 
10 or 15 best players in the league. I do think he has the most upside of any established player in the league. I just think he's untapped. Um, and that's what excites me about him. His ball handling skills at that position are different. Philadelphia is a mess. And what's interesting about Philadelphia is they have been a mess all season long. And it has just been murmured about and talked about. And there's all these stories. And their offseason wasn't good. And whether their players get along. And whether their head coach is a dead man walking. And it's as though it all came out last night. The, the, the facial reactions of the 76 players on the bench when Joel Embiid and his shenanigans check in and out of games is priceless. Absolutely priceless. It is, they, it is so clear they're tired of the routine. Whether he's sick or whatever it is, or he's not sick, or it's just part of an attention-grabbing weirdness, they're tired of it. From a Jazz standpoint, If we have a rooting interest left in the playoffs, I think it's for Toronto to beat Philadelphia by 40. Because if you are in my camp where you think Tobias Harris would be a tremendous fit. And let me make sure. Like, I love Tobias Harris. I love his uniqueness to his position. It's a little bit of an unnatural love affair. I don't want to create a fire. Like, I don't think it's very realistic that we get him. Um, I... I don't think it's our fault if we don't get him. Like, I think we could go make the play and then Dallas L Lakers clip Dallas Lakers Nets make the play. And while I could certainly argue that it is a um, better situation where we are, I I don't know that that necessarily uh, would be able to, to make the difference. Um, And I, I think that that's, you know, I think that that's a, somewhat of an unfair uh, expectation to put on our front office, so I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it. But that routine there is old. That is a dysfunctional place. If the last taste Tobias has in his mouth is bad, that's the scenario where if they even if they offer him the five year deal for all the more money that maybe he bypasses. You know, the players in the league are making so much money that they are seemingly more willing to bypass that fifth year uh, for the right for what they believe to be the right situation. Uh, more than ever before. And so maybe, maybe Philadelphia can do that. Philadelphia's, uh, we'll talk about some more. Philadelphia's really interesting to me. Because that starting five has been great in the regular season. And boy, they, they, and bench players don't really carry playoffs. I'm not big into it. But boy, it feels like they miss Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Landry Shamit, and the depth that they had on that roster. Uh Kemba Walker or Tobias Harris? We'll check on that when we uh, continue. Today's program is brought to you by the store. Store is located 6200 South and 20th East. It's just a great environment. It's a local place with local products, with a local feel, with the Olympus High School kids and everybody else in their Olympus sweatshirt pushing the cart out and carrying the bags for the, the older clients that need a little help getting to their car. It's the place where the local products are being sold, and then you have the personal touch in the meat section. They've done all sorts of great taste tests to make sure you get the best things available. And, of course, they have the mudslide cookie, the great, great mudslide cookie. I haven't had a mudslide cookie in a while. I think I need to make sure I go get one. 6200 South, 20th East, and also Leatherby's and the store have teamed up as well for the mudslide ice cream. So locked on mudslide and locked on uh, lockness. Uh, Ron Boone texted me a picture the other day and was like, 
he ate half of it himself. Big Ron's a big ice cream guy. Um, going to work on that and enjoying it. So that was that was good to see. I was glad to see that my guy Ron was was firing up on that. Uh, they also have a text line that has all sorts of great deals for you as well. If you want to get in on that with the store, um, those are that's available for you as well. I mentioned it to you last week. I, I like love getting the VIP um, updates that that take place. Uh, you can do it by texting the store to 71441. That's the store to 71441. All your Easter um, things as well. Oh, wait, that's old. Um, I, sorry about that. Um, 71441. Oh, they still have the, and all sorts of produce deals. I was just looking at my latest deal. Um, the Hereford Rump Roast looks good. All right, I, I'm going to get hungry. Uh, that is all at the store. So Tony Jones did, I like Tony, a great deal. We don't see the game the same way. We have a great deal of fun together. We'll do some interviews this summer. Um, Tony Jones was doing his athletic question and answer, and he brought up something I think is an interesting thing for us to digest. He's a big Kemba guy. So if I'm a Tobias guy, he's a Kemba guy. If he was running the Jazz front office, it's clear that um, he um, he would go for Kemba. Um, I think there's an, a risk there that nobody has talked about that I'm going to bring up. If you watch Boston this year, I don't get the feeling that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are overjoyed that Kyrie Irving's using 25 possessions a night and that Gordon Hayward's there. And when I watch Philadelphia, I don't really get a feeling that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are particularly excited about having Jimmy Butler and Joel and, B- and and Tobias Harris there. You, We need to remember that young players in the NBA, and we have one of the truly great human beings as one of these young players, okay? Donovan is truly one of the best kids I have ever been around anywhere. He is what I hope to be raising as a child. That's the level of person that I've interacted with thus far is who I would hope my kids turn out to be. That great a kid. He is also an elite athlete, highly competitive, with a major shoe contract, and major expectations. I don't think Kemba's a good fit. Or, let me rephrase that. I think Kemba's a delicate fit. Kemba's great. Tony's point of view is that if they add Kemba, they become elite right away. And I get concerned on how Donovan Mitchell feels every time Kemba Walker isolates at the top or high pick and rolls at the top or does something. That where he becomes the second fiddle. This is Donovan's team. Is Donovan completely ready to be a top 10 NBA superstar, MVP level guy to carry us? No. I'm not sure that matters. For two years, Donovan has carried the load on this franchise. Offensively, he's risen up in his realm of who he is as a star. He's got his spider gear. He's got all these things. It's been a meteoric rise. Let's just let me ask you. Be honest about this. 
if you were in that position in your second year, haven't made an all-star game yet, haven't gotten all your and somebody came in who suddenly was handling the ball all the time, you weren't getting your shots, your amount of shots went down, you went from averaging 24 to 18, it's great for you to sit here and tell, I just would care if we win. Eh, I'm not sure that's really true. I don't think that, I, I wouldn't be that way. It'd be nice if we won, but we were winning before too. Right? Like he's not going to push us, Kemba's not going to push us from 50 to 62 and make us an NBA title contender. It's a little incremental jump that probably makes us better and takes the burden off him. And sure, in the playoffs, then, you know, if you're, go- you're the only option. I-, I-, I hope this is clear. This is not a criticism or indictment of Don. This is a natural instinct of all humans, particularly of young players who have not established their value in the league. Gordon Chiesa used to always say to me, the first thing that you must remember is that all players in the NBA first must establish their own personal value. Then they'll worry about the team. We have been pretty fortunate that Donovan has been worried about the team at a really high level for a young player. Like really high level. But that has also been, while being given the team, given one of the two highest usage rates of any second-year player in the history of the game. There is certainly a part of Donovan that I think he, he wants and needs help. But does he really want someone else to be the show? And that's a delicate little dance that you're playing there if you bring in a ball-handling, star-level all-NBA point guard, right? Like, I think it'd be really interesting. Like, I think that's a really, like, whose team is it? And the minute you have a question on whose team is it, you're not obviously unselfish anymore. It's where Tobias, to me, is a better fit because he's, playing off of Donovan, but can play with the ball in his hands, can relieve the burden, can help out this floor spacing, can do a lot of different things for Donovan, and when necessary, I actually think Tobias late in games could play at the top one-on-one isolation or in a pick-and-roll in a manner that means you don't have to go to Donovan every single time. And, you know, we talked about Donovan last week in some of the areas where he still needs some development um, and needs some progression in pick and rolls, in drive, in isolation numbers. Those are not strengths for his game yet. And as he develops those, they will be. The kid's going to be great. Don't misunderstand it. Um, But you got to think, I think you still have to leave the path wide open for him to be great. Um, so that's my thought on that. Um, it was interesting. Another question Tony got asked was, what do you think Donovan needs to add to his game to be a top 10 NBA superstar MVP level player? And Tony said it become a consistent 40% three-point shooter. That's an incredible ask. I, I contemplated that for a little while because if you think about that for a second, um, who who actually is doing that, right? So 
40% three-point shooters that are high-volume usage guys. Steph Curry, Buddy Heald. Those are guys taking over 1,000 shots. Danilo Gallinari. Boyan Bonjanovic was at 42. Colin Sexton, interestingly enough, did it, which I did not realize. And Clay Thompson. And Kyrie Irving. That's it. Guys that took 1,000 shots. So there are, in the NBA last year, there are 52 guys who took 1,000 shots. Donovan, obviously, in that grouping. Um, Donovan took the sixth most amount of shots of anyone in the league at 1,500. But so if you take the top 50 shot attempt guys, this is not per game, this is just the amount of guys that shot over 40% from three, Buddy Heald, who's really probably become one of the great shooters in the league, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Colin Sexton, Boyan Bajanovic in Indiana, who does not take a lot, by the way. You have to, you know, now that's a little, now there's the next level. So the next level is, okay, Donovan took 500 threes. So how many guys who took 500 threes are actually 40% three-point shooters? Steph, Buddy Heald, Clay Thompson. That's it. I would have thought Kyrie was on that list. Did Kyrie not take that many threes this year? Maybe not. Nope. Kyrie took 434 threes. But fine. There are 43 players in the NBA who took four, 400 threes this year. The guys who shot 40% were Malik Beasley, Bryn Forbes, catch and shoot. Kyrie is the, is the guard who does that. And that's it. And then Steph and Buddy Hill. So, and, and Clay. So, of ball handlers, what Tony's asking Donovan to do, and he might be right, by the way, because the question was how do you become a top 10 MVP player. Steph Curry does it. Kyrie Irving does it. Frankly, Colin Sexton didn't take that many. Um, there are two guards in the NBA that handle as much <clears throat> as Donovan and shoot 40%. I think that's, if, if he were to do that, I think the real number is what we talked about yesterday, going from 33 to 36% on the off the bounce and 40% on his catch and shoot. Then he's up to 37, 38%. Now you're pretty special. Paul George is in that category. Chris Middleton was right around that category of over 400 threes. Actually, Harrison Barnes and Patty Mills were too. That would be a pretty special level. That would be uh, my thought for you there. Today's show is brought to you in part by the Barbecue Pit Stop. I love people who love what they do and the vibe and energy out of the Barbecue Pit Stop is fabulous. I got a special deal for you just today on this ad and this read only from the Barbecue Pit Stop. The Barbecue Pit Stop, Jordan Chackets runs, uh, does the Barbecue Pit Stop and he has his own product that's really, really cool. And it's called the Bear Claw. And this is kind of what these guys are. Like, the rub we used last night was made by another one of the guys. Like, it's his rub that he made. Isn't that cool? I love that. 
Like, I, these guys are so into it, love what they're doing so much, that they're actually making their own products. The Bear Claws help you turn big, huge pieces of meat. They're about a $13 value, and you get a free set with any purchase, if you mention Locked on Jazz, at any of the three locations, in Layton, up by uh, Hill Air Force Base, Lehigh, or downtown at 1300 South and 3rd. West. Steve is the one who made the pork star rub. Check that out while you're there. And you go to the barbecue pit stop, you are dealing with the best selection imaginable, superstar expertise, passion that emanates through the building, and a lifelong barbecue advisor. If you're a fly fisherman and a golfer and you've seen those great stores, it's the same thing. It's the ultimate stop for barbecue. And that's it. They can get anyone to master a brisket. They'll show you how. They'll learn. They'll teach you through. I'm somewhat of a novice in it. I'm pretty excited to figure it all out. I love their various combinations of their mixes and their rubs when they start taking you through it. For pork and chicken, it's, you know, he's telling me you got to get the Plowbirds barbecue and the Yardbird and you put the Obi and the sweetened heat on it to get It's just awesome. I love it. Check them all out. Uh, the guys are just fabulous. Kennedy up in Layton, Clayton down in Lehigh, and check out the downtown store at 1300 South and 300 West. Uh, Bear Paws, for free, if you had any purchase, tell them that David Locker, Locked on Jazz, sent you. It is the barbecue pit stop. All right, I want to do Royce, but we're running short on time. It's funny how we never are short stuff. By the way, I'm not convinced that Golden State wins that series. I'm just going to share that with you. Um, I kind of go back to something that Ben Golliver said on Locked on NBA, that they're an underachieving team. And they just might underachieve their way to the championship, but they also just might underachieve their way out of it. It'll be interesting to take to keep an eye on that and see what happens there. Um, we'll do Royce. We'll dig into Royce more tomorrow. I'll tell you what. I, I think Royce O'Neal is going to turn out to be a starter in the NBA. Uh, there's probably one area of improvement that he needs to have. And that is the ability to, and I don't know that he has this, honestly. The ability to defend at 30 feet. Now, he did a nice job on Harden. But when he got caught up on Dame earlier this year, my memory was that he really scuffled. And that and that's a hard and you know, trying to defend at that level is just is a different game. Um he's really he's really, really good. Um and becoming better. And I go back to the what we were talking about with Philadelphia. I watched Philadelphia and that starting lineup is great. Um but the other thing that I look at um, that makes me kind of wonder is they're just like Tobias gets lost, right? Um, and so when I watch them and I and I wonder, you know, there's a value to having – um, there's a value to having the non-possession user in your rotation. And I think that's where he beca- he becomes a really, really 
awesome piece of the puzzle. That's my thought on Royce. Is that I think Royce becomes that player. Um, And by the way, Dame shot 12 of 19 against Royce this year in the regular season in three games. So that's, you know, that's the one area defensively where I just, I'm not sure he's got the chops yet, is when he gets pulled all the way out. And maybe that's because he's not an elite athlete. And he's not a laterally elite athlete. He's a strength athlete. He's physically imposing. He's tough as all get out. And he's developed so many skills that I would suspect he'll continue to develop more. But, I mean, if he, again, this is a little bit of where we were. If he was an elite athlete, he's not undrafted. And if he was an elite athlete with some of his other skills, then he's not developing the way, you know, this. we're not in a development game with him. Um, he has gotten a great deal better. His shooting percentage went from 42 to 48%. His minutes played went from 1,100 to 1,700. His three-point shooting was up 30% while an increased usage. His effective field goal percentage was up 8% points last year. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And he went from a 16-minute to a 20-minute a guy, and I think he's ready to be a 25-minute-a-night starter. You know, I always think that Reggie Bullock is like the perfect complement to Donovan if Donovan plays the point. Reggie Bullock can't really dribble, but he's long, he's pretty good defensively, and he's a knockdown shooter. I'm not sure that I think Royce is a knockdown shooter yet. But it's getting there. He took 51% of his shot attempts as threes this last year, I think. And he knocked down 39%. Um, You know, I'd have to really watch. Is that release slow? Is it? He didn't struggle in the playoffs, unlike everybody else. He's got guts. I mean, I I think there's a point where we'll dig in a little bit more to Royce tomorrow. uh, Where I think Royce is an NBA starter. Not like a star, but if I'm building a team and I got possessions that have to go around, I don't need every guy to need 20. It's it's a disaster when every guy on your roster needs that many possessions. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Catch Locked On NBA today. Hope you enjoyed enjoy that. Uh, Wednesday edition. So you'll have John Corrales and Jake Madison. Kevin Pelton and I will come your direction on tomorrow's Locked On NBA. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.